today we're taking on a pretty scary update to that Mario Batali story that we covered last week, as well as a couple of interesting points on paying your staff what they're worth, Rosio Sanchez's new restaurant, a gift guide for chefs, and that's it. It is a it is a short and sweet show today. What is up, folks? Welcome back to the show. My name is Justin Kana. This is episode 43 of The Emulsion, a show where I talk all about the news and stories that matter to me as I navigate my career as a professional chef. Thank you so much for joining. We're going to get right into it in a second, but as per usual, this show is entirely supported by you folks. We have no sponsors, no ads, no nothing. And because of that freedom, I am eternally grateful. If you like this show, if you've gotten any value from it, I have an ask for you. Well, two asks. I want to grow my email list. And I want 2018 to be the year where I get a bomb-ass newsletter rolling. Go ahead and visit the newly revamped JustinCona.com. If you're feeling super awesome and you want to join the Patreon fam, I'd really appreciate your support on that platform. It is just $1 per month. Without further ado, let's get into the show. Today's beverage, it's actually a new one. Picked this up from the store yesterday. Look at the tall can. This is a LaCroix Curate. Uh, flavor is Cerise Limon. It is cherry limeade, basically, that is sparkling. No calories, no sugar, no nothing. Um, but, I mean, it is a... I don't know, I like LaCroix. I've, I've tried... A lot of people jumped off the LaCroix train to go to, go to Hintwater. But, uh, I don't know. If you followed along this, this, this summer, I would make cherry limeades for myself for this show. This, this literally feels like summer in a can, which is great. Not sponsored by LaCroix to say that. Just, I've had two cups of coffee already this morning. Need a little bit of a refresher. <clears throat> also, I wasn't feeling so great last week, but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm on the up and up, so I'm feeling a little bit better today. First story comes actually as an update to a story from last week, and I don't think anyone saw this coming. I mean, if you saw this coming, you should leave it in the comments because I would, I would really be interested to see uh, your, your Nostradamus skills, but... Uh, we talked all about Mario Batali last week, if you guys remember. I covered him, of, oh, was it last week? Maybe a few weeks ago? Because I was stoked that his show that I loved growing up, Molto Mario, was coming back for six extra episodes. But following that, some news came out. Uh, the latest sexual harassment lawsuits uh, that have been kind of surfacing in the world for the past few weeks, this is new to the culinary industry. Someone tweeted out last night that a big-name chef was going to get burned today, and sure enough, Mario Batali was the guy. Funny enough, a ton of people actually assumed it was going to be Bobby Flay, but I did not see this coming at all. He did not deny the four women that came forward with allegations. A lot of the occurrences that happened were stories of Mario, sometimes drunk, sometimes sober, making advances on women where he would just touch them inappropriately, hug them from behind, snap bra straps, etc. All of this results in him ultimately stepping away from his businesses and even taking a hiatus away from his TV gig on ABC. Uh, the article that I linked up in the show notes for you guys also, and this also includes testimony from him saying, quote, I have work to do with to try to regain the trust of those that I have hurt and disappointed. For this reason, I'm going to step away from day-to-day -day operations of my businesses. We built these restaurants so that our guests could have fun and indulge, but I look, in, I look to that far own in my own behavior. I won't make that same mistake again. I want any place I am associated with to feel comfortable and safe to the people who work or dine there. I know my actions have disappointed many people. The successes I have enjoyed are owned by everyone on my team. The failures are mine alone. To the people who have been at my side during this time, my family, my partners, my employees, my friends, my fans, I'm grateful for your support and hopefully I can regain your respect and trust. I will spend the next period of time trying to do that, end quote. 
And ultimately, I fall in a very kind of specific camp with this story, and you guys might be in a very different situation, right? Like, yes, there's been countless stories of women and men coming forward over the past few weeks with stories like this. I read a great piece outside of the industry the other day from a woman who was sexually harassed by another woman. Uh, so get it out of your head if you think that this is like a witch hunt on on just men in, in, in specific, because it's not. Society is evolving, and... To make this kind of paradigm shift, big things have to happen for people to pay attention, right? We're constantly overstimulated with news, and it's hard when everybody's coming forward with all these stories. And right now, yeah, maybe you're sick of these stories, but hopefully if, if you're there, if you're at least in a place where you've kind of seen what this behavior can lead to, like, there's careers being destroyed, and victims being hurt, and businesses and reputations being tarnished by, quite frankly, immature and disrespectful decisions. When will these stories stop? Probably never, right? Like, there's always going to be these stories. How society responds, though, can change, right? It, it, it used to be totally normal for segregation until it wasn't. And it used to be totally normal to be homophobic until it wasn't. And all this awareness just makes it so if you do interact with this behavior, you can kind of reference your values and your principles and make a decision, right? It's unfortunate to see it happen to Mario, but, I mean, that's life. Like, it'll be interesting to see if he's able to bounce back from this and move on. And more importantly, if other kind of large TV personalities that grew up in that kind of 90s uh, kitchen environment will also be targets of allegations going forward. And another story I just wanted to tack on to this story that's actually linked up in the article, but I didn't really cover it on the show, was uh, Johnny Uzzini, who was also the uh, old pastry chef of... Uh, Jean-Georges also got accused of harassment by four women the other day as well. So just something to keep in mind. I'm not, I like, you guys know my stance on it. I just want you to be aware that it's happening to these kind of big players in the field. I'm going to break up the stories a little bit today because I'm going to go like uh, good and bad because there are some pretty heavy stories we're covering. You're probably not super happy <laughs> after that uh, last piece I just covered. So here's a little breather story. Um, Eater, who we covered last week because they just released their Eater 38, has another set of lists this week. They're calling it the hottest new restaurants in 25 Eater cities. So if you're here in the U.S., it breaks down by the food hubs of the nation. Go ahead and check out the city of your choice if you like. I checked out Seattle and they aren't wrong. One of my favorite new ramen shops is on the list. I was super happy with that. Honestly, I don't have that much more to say about it as much uh, I give Eater, like, as much as I give Eater shit for bad coverage on stories, sometimes uh, for covering pointless news, they're one of the most uh, well-eaten news outlets out there. Um, and I respect their opinions a lot on restaurants. Uh, it's a pretty thankless and expensive job to go around eating like that, usually by yourself, sometimes with friends, but th th there's definitely a market for it, right? I look to them for recommendations all the time, so I can't hate if I'm a user. Whoosh! Back into dark story time. Uh, Superiority Burger, who is Brooke Hadley's uh, spot in New York City, Brooks, of course, of Del Posto fame, he is under fire this week. So Julia Goldberg has allegations to the chef saying that she worked 16 extra hours per week on his new cookbook, Superiority Bur Burger Cookbook, The Vegetarian Hamburger is Now Delicious, due out in June 2018. And... I'm going to quote the article here to make sure you get the full scoop. So, quote, Hadley told Goldberg to write the recipes, offering to, quote, split the advance with her and ensure she had equal credit on the book for writing with him to complete the manuscript, end quote. The complaint reportedly states, with this arrangement not formalized with the contract, Goldberg said she wrote about 80% of the manuscript. Though Goldberg reportedly, repeatedly asked Hadley for payment, she, quote, dismissed her, he, quote, dismissed her requests and refused to pay her any money, telling her to wait for the advance from the publication, end quote. The complaint says by, by September 2016, Goldberg reportedly 
asked for a contract with, with Norton, the book's publisher, as well as overtime pay for her work, but Hadley allegedly, quote, continued to intimidate her, threatening her position and otherwise, uh, and otherwise rather than pay her. And this would normally be a story where I say, you know, kind of like, make sure you get that stuff in writing. But apparently, according to Goldberg and the complaint, the contract reportedly agreed that she would be paid no less than $5,000 dependent on the amount of the advance actually paid, as well as given a shared credit in the book. So despite the alleged contract, Goldberg says she never received any payments and that Hadley allegedly continued to harass her via emails and text messages. And his counsel is now saying that her work was, quote, not independent since she was an employee when it was produced. Goldberg is suing for damages for minimum wage and overtime violations. So overall, just to be completely transparent on this story, I worked with Brooks for a guest chef dinner two years ago while I was in Norway for our Friends of Lise Vodka series. And I can see this from both sides, right? I've been in the camp of being that sous chef, right? Like I created an entire recipe database in Norway because I wanted the day-to-day -day operations to run more smoothly. However, there was 100% uh, definitely conversations about the utility of that database being used for a cookbook in the future. And should I have proposed a contract that said I wanted a royalty check on every cookbook that got sold that used the recipes that I input and put in the database? Maybe. Like, could I have just accepted it as my job? Yes, and that's what I did. But, I mean, is Brooks shorting the employee or is this kind of like effective delegation on his part? That's kind of like a question that I want to pass off to you guys. The contract part is what makes this story actually have legs, right? Like, if she was just coming forward and said, hey, I did all this work on this cookbook and now I want my money from the work that I put in at my hourly rate. That doesn't really have so many legs, but because she has a contract to go with it, uh, that's why I want to cover it. Because yes, this story doesn't affect you directly, but I truly believe that intelligent decisions can be made if you have stories like this in the back of your brain. You can decide like, hey, maybe I should get this in writing or what have you. So the fact that he threatened her repeatedly during the process is super unfortunate. And it's something that I'm sure a lot, a lot of us have dealt with in the past. I mean, I've been in those conversations where you get told, like, I have a stack of resumes waiting to replace you. So you better do whatever I say or stay longer or come in earlier or whatever. And it sucks, right? But again, get it in writing, protect yourself, stand up for yourself. And ultimately, make sure you use these stories as learning experiences instead of just kind of letting them fall by the wayside. And this isn't me saying that, like, if you take a stage job somewhere that you should just be like, uh, I wanted writing and I want to have all my hours documented and get paid for what I'm worth because there's going to be someone that comes along that is willing to work for less than you are and is willing to work longer hours than you are. And you're going to lose out to that person, especially when you're in the early stages. So you have to also, like determine who has the leverage in those negotiations and just make sure that you're, yes, you're protecting yourself if you know that you have a lot of great stuff to offer and bring to the table, right? Like she is a sous chef there and she is obviously capable enough to help write 80% of a cookbook. So she has every right to come forward with these requests and, and write a contract and get it in writing. But if you're someone who like, you're just there to learn, I'm not necessarily in the camp that like you should maybe work for free or you should just be super humble about it and say hey look I can offer me I can offer you my time um I just don't I I don't want it to get it twisted and have have a bunch of you think that like you should be super cocky and walk up to a chef and say I want this in writing I want to I want I want to guarantee my employment because frankly a lot of restaurants are at will employment so just a heads up
Next up, and a story I'm super pissed off, I didn't cover yet because it flew under my radar completely, uh, Rosio Sanchez, the famed ex-pastry chef of Noma and now owner of the super successful Ija de Sanchez Taqueria in Copenhagen, opened a, a, like a real brick-and-mortar restaurant, right? Crazy. I love her tacos. I went every single time I was in Copenhagen. She has two locations there. Um, they're, they're more or less stands uh, next, to, next to markets, but... Uh, Sanchez uh, Cantina, it's called Sanchez, but if you go on their website, it's also called Sanchez Cantina, is I guess what they're calling it. It is it is 46 seats. They did over 100 covers the past few evenings, but picture if Olmsted uh, in Brooklyn and Septim in Paris had a baby and used Mexican technique with Scandinavian ingredients in Copenhagen. Does that make sense? It's a lot of uh, fun fusion going on, but apparently it's working. Uh, it seems like everyone loves the desserts. There's no surprise there. She was the ex-pastry chef of Noma. Um, but I have to say, bravo to Rosio for the patience play on this whole thing, right? Like, it seemed weird to everyone when she left Noma and opened a taco stand, right? right? Like, all of her peers opened restaurants, especially Nordic-inspired restaurants. But she ultimately made this kind of insane community of loyal fans around her and her food. And so now when she does this extremely daunting task of opening a restaurant, she's able to fill it up right away and have people say, like, it feels like this is directly from the article, quote, it feels like it's been open for years, end quote. And first off, right off the bat, when I was looking at this article, I was looking at the photos and I was like, who took these photos? They're amazing. I have to give props to Martin Kaufman, who is the photographer who did all the photos for this article. As someone who really appreciates food and architecture and lifestyle photography skills, he killed it. And so I give 100% uh, him a follow on Instagram. Uh, but second off, uh, one of you Emulsion listeners actually works there. And Ernesto, my homie, he staged at uh, Lisvaka in Norway way back in the day. So if you're listening, Ernesto, which I'm pretty sure you are, comment uh, with how everything's going. You did send me a DM on Instagram. I want to open that up uh, and share with everyone what you said. Uh, so I said, I'm covering Sanchez on the show. How is everything over there? And he said, uh, I asked him where he's where he was, what station he's on. He says, I'm all over. He's in the test kitchen. He says it's busy. Uh, it's starting to be a chef's hangout, which I guess is kind of like foreseeable. Uh, he says, you're more than welcome to come and be treated as VIP. Uh, all that I'm doing is so amazing. They're fully booked until January, which is awesome. So super, super great to hear. Um, it's rare that I get to actually reach out and get some feedback from you guys on the on, on the show from stories that I'm covering. Ideally, it gets to a point where I can uh, do that with all stories. So hopefully we'll get to that point eventually. But thanks, Ernesto, for the for the shout out, um, giving me some more information. I'm super, super psyched for you, man, as well. Next time I'm in Copenhagen, Sanchez is definitely on my list. And to me, my ultimate takeaway from this story is the idea of patience and vibe, right? Like, Patience on the career aspect of the chef and vibe in the restaurant aspect of, of the of the uh, the restaurant, right? I mentioned the in the piece already, but when talking about vibe, the article says, quote, serious food, a buzzing dining room, and a killer wine list, end quote. And those are all the factors that, uh, like, this goes back to the story that we covered uh, the other day about fast, fine dining. And it's just cooking in response to consumer behavior, right? Like people want to support chefs. They want to eat out. They want the buzzing restaurants. They want to drink nice wine, especially in Scandinavia. I would argue city to city, it's kind of different, but they don't want to pay $200 and they don't want to spend three hours with you. And that's just reality, right? Like I'm quickly discovering that, right? Uh, and Again, all of this has to map with your ambition, right? There's always going to be that subset of people that wants the four-hour, $300 tasting menu. But Gagan said it last week. There's a huge subset of those guests that just come to see you to check it off a list. 
these restaurants that become neighborhood staples, like the ones that I referenced earlier, like Septim and Olmsted and now hopefully Sanchez, they create loyal fans. And they are the ones that will ultimately ultimately still be around seven, eight, nine, ten years from now, instead of these kind of flash-in-the-pan restaurants that just want headlines and awards. Sip of my uh, LaCroix here. And again, this isn't to dissuade you, right? It's just more to inform you on the current state of the industry. All these chefs that are coming from Noma and Alinea and Blue Hill at Stone Barns, they aren't trying to open clones of their the, their their parent restaurants, the ones that they trained at. They're looking at what the market is asking for and then reacting. And that's what I want you to be thinking about as you make your next moves. So last up, before we get into our non-industry story, are you a hipster? Do you have tons of disposable income? Do you like unique kitchen gear? Well, Food 52, the... Uh, I guess I would say publication, has you covered. Yes, it is expensive, and they do have some surprisingly good deals right now on some dope kitchen gear. And you save 20% if you spend 150 bucks on things like cast iron cocottes and nonstick pans and knife sets and cutting boards and aprons and trivets and torches. They've got a ton of really, really well-designed, high-quality stuff. Um, I hesitate to recommend it because it's just so damn expensive. Uh, I personally am good on my kitchen gear right now. I'm not buying anything at the current moment, but this is usually the time when your family asks, what do you want for insert holiday? And who knows, maybe you kind of send them a link from this site and you pick up a matte black pepper mill for your station. Links to this and everything I covered are either uh, in the YouTube description or online at justincondon.com slash podcast. That's also newly revamped. You should go visit it. Um, but it's just a little quick gift guide that I wanted to, like, a lot of uh, food publications are coming out with their chef gift guides, uh, gifts for the foodie in your life. But I took a look at this one, and I was actually, like, in support of all of the tools that they were recommending. So, yes, it is on the pricier side, but I still recommend it. So last up and our non-industry story of the week, what do you guys know about cryptocurrency? I have spent an embarrassing amount of time researching and learning and gaining some knowledge on this new digital currency world that we're living in. I invested some money and I'm already seeing some insane returns on it. I day traded some uh, altcoins this weekend and it's really, really fun. I have zero investing experience, which is why I was kind of nervous and why I haven't really talked that much about it because I didn't want to straight flex on social media and then have the market crash or have certain investment decisions go south because I was ill-informed. So like I said, I did take my time and do my research and learn a little bit about the landscape. However, uh, I can say I have a good grip on the space now and I want I want to know, are you any of you guys in the cryptocurrency space? Are you headline reading? Do you think it's stupid? Do you think it's all going to crash? Let me know in the comments. I'm personally just, you know, kind of enjoying learning something completely new. Like I've uh, been doing a lot of uh, learning on food and restaurants and content creation and photography over the past probably like 24 to 36 months. And learning about something like investing is completely new to me. And I forgot how much I enjoy uh, learning and starting at zero. And that, that has been really, really satisfying for me. So I'm not giving anyone financial advice. I'm just letting you guys know. I'm paying attention because there will be a time that your restaurant accepts cryptocurrency as payment or kind of integrates blockchain technology into the day-to-day -day operations. And I'm not saying you should just stop cooking and study computer science and cryptography, but it's a fascinating space. It's something that the world has never seen before. And I'm just having a lot of fun with it. I'm having a good time. And I'm making money at the same time. So no complaints there. 
Uh, I know I said last up like three times, uh, but this was a short show today, and uh, for those of you that have been around for a while, you guys know that I'm 300% okay with that, short shows. I have no desire to make this a show that's always 40 minutes, because then I start kind of picking out filler stories, and that just degrades the quality of the show, right? But I have been getting a ton of love on social media from you guys lately. Um, YouTube fam is growing at a at a phenomenal rate. I'm super grateful for that. I I just I, I want to end the shows with a little bit of a Q&A from you folks because there's so many private conversations that I have with you guys that never see the light of day because they're specific questions, right? And I get it. You don't always want the whole world to see these very specific and sometimes very vulnerable questions that you ask me about your career. But I give some advice that might help more than one of you. So I want to start highlighting some of those stories at the end of these shows. Don't worry. I will ask before I ever share conversations that we have in the DMs of social media. But the first one comes from uh, Jordan underscore Marley underscore B on Instagram. Uh, and here is our conversation. He messaged me this morning, I believe. Uh, what did he say? So he says, uh, ran into your YouTube page looking for advice on my first stage. I've been binge watching the emulsion. Thanks for all the content. And then he says, question, have you ever seen someone that is young and has kids make it as a chef? And my response to that was, Thanks so much to hear it's helping. Uh, I've had friends that have kids, yes. One of my friends was on the line with me at the French Laundry, and he had a pregnant wife at home. And also, when I was there, the chef de cuisine had two kids, ages like two and four, or three and eight, I believe. You have to look at your personal life and how you're able to prioritize things. If you're lucky enough to have a great partner in the relationships, that, that helps too. It's definitely harder than being single and by yourself, but I've seen it done before. And then I sent another message saying a lot of chefs use their kids as motivation or an escape from work, so you don't think about it too much. And do right by you and by your kids. Don't worry about what everybody else says is right or wrong. And then he says, uh, thank you. I, I really want to experience the highest level of cooking. I appreciate the advice. So that's my advice. Um, again, I don't want to kind of delve any deeper than the kind of uh, first off advice that I give people because that's kind of like what my gut tells me. Uh, but again, I just want to reinforce those points. I have worked with people who have kids. I've worked with people who have gone their whole career uh, being single uh, or just having a significant other in their life. There's no right way or wrong way. I'm in the firm camp that you should not worry about what the political correct nature of society tells you you should do, right? Like, don't, don't worry if everybody's saying you don't have enough time to spend with your kids and you're a bad parent because... They don't know. They don't know you, right? So again, do 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 right by your kids. Make sure you're happy. Make sure you're good first. Um, you're going to have to make sacrifices for those kinds of things. But ultimately, it just comes down to your own decisions. Uh, just don't worry about what everybody else thinks. Um, that is my answer to that question. So with that, this has been episode 43 of The Emulsion. Thank you so much for listening. Just a quick little reminder before you take off, if you want to support this or any of the other content I do as far as uh, video content, uh, for as little as $1 per month, that is like less than this LaCroix, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I'd love for you to check out my page on Patreon. That is patreon.com slash justinkana. There you get a ton of amazing access and behind the scenes and gear giveaways and industry advice and cookbook reviews, again, for as little as $1 per month. I'd sincerely appreciate your support and for everyone that's listening right now that is already supporting, I can't thank you enough. If you want to just support what I do uh, and you can't swing the Patreon thing right now, go ahead and check out justincona.com. Click on that newsletter button and input your email. I would love for you to be on my list for 2018 because I'm going to make it an awesome, awesome thing that you get in your inbox a couple times a month. I'm still debating how, how often I end up doing that. But 
If you have any stories you want covered on next week's show, shoot them to me on Twitter and hashtag the emulsion so I can find them. I am at Justin underscore Kana on that platform. Subscribe if you aren't already on YouTube or on iTunes. Definitely leave a thumbs up on this video or consider leaving a five-star review on iTunes if you listen there. Regardless of where you are, I appreciate your ears. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. My name's Justin Kana. Have a good one.